Amen. Great. Okay, so um, as I said, it's a little bit different this morning. We're not going to have a preach per se. Um, we do honor the Word of God, and we do hold preaching of the Word of God in the highest esteem. But we also would love to hear a little bit more about the vision that God has put on Robin Abbey's heart. How are we doing? Yeah. Seeing as Tom's got the mic, Tom, how are you feeling about starting a new church, a new work in Epsom? Well, I, I will feel sad leaving my friends, but then I will be excited to make new friends and to um, help people believe in Jesus in Epsom. Fantastic. Can we just give that response a round of applause? That is awesome. That is really, really cool. Thank you. Yes, Tom was here for the start, but he's going to go to you now. Thank you, Tom. So, that was an uh, awesome contribution. Yeah, no, just um, those of you who don't know, we have two children. Tom is our oldest, and our youngest, Noah, um, is staying. He's had his first sleepover last night with a friend from school. So he's actually doing it. He's meeting people in Epsom. He's doing it. He's out there. He's, uh, he's such a, a sort of an evangelist, but um, I'm sure he's just having lots of fun overnight. But we'll see him a bit later on. That's wonderful. But it just shows, actually, there is a cost, isn't there? There's a cost in planting. So can I just start by saying, you know, the decision to plant is not something that you just wake up in the morning necessarily and go, I think I'll start a new church. Can you just give us a little bit of background of your journey to get to this point? Sure. In about, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, looking at the time, we've got a bit of time. Um, I, I'll try not to, to or go into too much detail. I can be a person of detail. In fact. So Abby and myself, um, we uh, moved into the area um, about nine years ago. Um, and we moved down from the uh, Worcestershire. We've been living up there for, um, for a number of years. In fact, we got married uh, when I was living in Birmingham. And when I lived in Birmingham, I was part of a church called Oasis Church, um, and it was a church led by Dave Stroud. And in fact, Dave Stroud planted the church in Birmingham because he felt there's lots of prophetic words that God had for him. He moved to Birmingham to plant Oasis. And then again, lots of prophetic words were coming to him, um, and God was calling him then to London. So he now leads a church in central London, um, and God he planted and planted again. And so that we were part of Oasis, and, and one particular Sunday, it was announced that um, the Oasis Church were planting, with two other churches in Birmingham, another church into Bromsgrove, which is a small town um, in uh, North Worcestershire. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, how exciting to be involved in a church plant, to be doing something new in the kingdom of God. And I just thought, I'd love to be involved. And, and I, and I th didn't think too much of it after that. And then I think Abby and I had a conversation. And she then said to me, you know, I really feel God is stirring us or me about this new church plant they're talking about in Bromsgrove. And so separately, God has spoken to us. And we came together and we approached the couple who were um, starting this initiative. And they were over the moon, but we said we wanted to be involved. And so we got involved, and, um, and actually we, we just got stuck in. I mean, we had no children at that point. We, I was on the leadership team, and, you know, I was seeing all sorts of things. But it was just lots of fun. 
um, really in those early days. And so we, the church is, is now, Bombs Grove is still there. We got friends that are still there. Um, and we, um, we did that uh, church plant. So that's kind of where things were started in, in, um, in Birmingham. And, and then nine years ago, well, ten years ago, we felt that God was calling us to the southeast. We're both from the southeast of England, and we, we really feel a, a love of the southeast. And, um, and we, I was looking at lots of jobs down in the area. So I looked at places like... Um, um, Burgess Hill, Reading, various places. And I even had interviews and got offered jobs in, in schools. I'm a maths teacher um, of 15 years. And, and, but it, they weren't the right places to go. And it was just um, this school I'd heard of. Again, it was just a last-minute application I threw in. And I got an interview at Nonsuch in Cheam. And I remember coming for interview. I stayed with some friends in uh, Rygate and uh, I was driving in for the interview coming down the A217 and I don't know if you know the two ones is this the, um, sort of a stretch of, motor, of a dual carriageway and as you're coming down the A217 I remember seeing the London skyline appear there's one spot that you can see it on the outside lane and just my heart was so excited about London so excited about being inside the M25. And I don't know about you, but back then my thoughts of anything inside the M25 were tower blocks and uh, burnt out cars. Um, but I was surprised by the amount of greenery that surrounded me inside the M25. So I was very pleased to find that um, it was a beautiful and lovely area. And, um, and drove through Cheam Village. I just got such a love for the area. And I got to the interview and I just remember being in this school thinking, oh my goodness. If I get a job here, it would be a miracle because there are other candidates and I just thought, man, you know, it's, it's going to be amazing if I get this job. And then at the end of the day, I got offered the job at Nonsuch and it was just a real open door. And I just really felt that even then I felt God stirring our hearts for the area and a love for the people of, of this area. And, uh, and so we looked at moving down and, um, and then I'll let Abby tell the rest. Thank you. Um, yes, so we, um, as Rob said, he got the job. So we started the process of um, moving, of looking for home to uh, bring our now two young boys down to the area. And um, we looked at a lot of houses. And we, we looked at a good view in Cheam because initially we felt that would be um, the good, a good place to be because it would be close to where you were going to be working. But nothing, although we liked a lot of the houses, nothing really kind of settled in us as this was the right place to be. Um, and then obviously we were also looking for a church and um, one Sunday we visited Vineyard um, in Sutton. And there was this lovely um, lady sitting in one of the rows who um, subsequently became one of my uh, very good friends. But she said she lived in Epsom. And it, you know, it was a very kind of small, insignificant, at that point, conversation. And yet it was the key, I suppose, to changing our direction. I didn't even realize that Epsom was close by. Um, but that afternoon we went to have a look and I just, I, I loved it. There was just something that just filled my heart and I just had a real sense of joy of being in, in Epsom. 
Um, and But the thing that was the real clincher for, for me anyway was going up um, onto the, the downs, onto Epsom Downs, and again, looking out at that London sky skyline, um, I was just amazed at, at how incredible that was. And I think I loved the fact that Epsom was a gateway into London and to so many things that happen um, there and, you know, the, the way our, our government leads from there and, and all those kinds of things is a, a place of influence. But also the gateway to the beautiful Surrey Hills. Um, and eventually when we did find a house, stepping over the threshold, I felt the Holy Spirit just put these roots um, I could actually feel these roots go through me into the home as I literally stepped over. Um, and, you know, God hasn't moved those on for me. That, that is still very much right where we're meant to be. And, you know, we found this amazing church that we've been part of for um, nine years. And we've loved be- being a part of everything and the journey here. But we always felt, I think always felt, that there was a reason that the Holy Spirit so clearly showed us that Epsom was the place for us to be, but that this was our home for church. Um, and that, that that seed, I guess, of church planting, especially having come from a church plant in Bronzegrove, was um, the beginnings really for us. So... Fantastic. So you feel rooted and established in Epsom, and now you are about to embark on planting there. What, in your hearts, what, is, what do you feel God has laying on your hearts, the vision for what you'd really see, love to see God do in this new work? Yeah, okay. Um, so I guess in terms of vision, if um, we go back to when we first moved in, God spoke to me very clearly about Epsom. Um, uh, one thing was um, more significant the, uh, than the other. Um, so, I, again, I was driving up on the Downs one day, and God brought that scripture to mind where it says that a light on a hill can... Um, what does it say? Not be I forget, hidden. That's right, and you know, like a city on the hill, and that sense of light, um, and and also that we were a lighthouse for our our neighbourhood. Um, so that that was one thing, and the second one was was about um, the well. Um, you guys might not know the history of Epsom, but it was initially a, a spa town. Um, because it was well known for its well and for having um, healing properties in the water. And um, God spoke to me very clearly um, about that one day when I was in the pub in um, Epsom. Um, that um, basically, you know, it was, it was more well known at one point in time than Bath, would you believe it? Um, and people would come... <laughs> People would come from all over to Epsom because they wanted that healing and restoration. And I just felt God drop into my heart that he wanted Epsom to be known again as a place for healing and restoration. Um, And and another point around that, um, I don't know how I came across it, but in Australia, they 
farm in a, a very different way to us. Um, obviously, our land is much smaller, and so we can fence our animals in. But in Australia, they have wells, wells to draw the animals to one place. And I felt Jesus, um, again, just drop into my heart that he wanted to draw people to himself. And um, that, you know, our church there would be known as a place where people meet him. Um, that it would be a place like the Samaritan lady at the well. Jesus met with her there and he um, knew her intimately. And um, that was such a significant meeting for her that she went away changed. And she then impacted her local community because of her meeting with Jesus there. And I, I feel that, you know, restoration and healing is really key. But that Jesus, you know, Jesus talks about being the gate. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that... Um, Worship is a place where we meet Jesus intimately and that he inhabits the praises of his people. And so, yes, I think those are some of the things that God has talked to me about. And I think that, um, you know, I very much share that vision. But I think for me, my passion is to see people saved, is to see people coming into the kingdom. And, you know, and I... Um, you know, you, you really connect with the people you live around. You know, geographic is a big thing, I think. Even now, even with the broken uh, culture that we live in, I think I, I, I get to know my neighbours. You know, I talk to them and, and I share community with them. And I have such a heart to be able to see them, to come to something local, to, to come to something that we put on in Epsom that we um, organise. And my heart would I'd be, you know, I'd love it if we see one salvation in the next year. I would. I think I'd be excited. It would be all worth it, you know, because seeing people coming to the kingdom of God for me is the most exciting thing that we are put here for, to see people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I think that's my passion. And, and also prayer. I think one of the things that I feel, you know, uh, Steve and I, even 18 months ago, you know, when we started talking about this, we've been flooding it with prayer. And so, um, Last September, I started once a month of spending um, some time in the day. I'd spend a couple of hours, and I would just prayer walk around Epsom. And I'd feel God uh, put things on my heart to pray for, the schools, the businesses, all the different aspects. Of, and there are people in this room who have joined me on some of those prayer walks. And, you know, if you want to come on them, if you want to join me, you know, then come. I'd, I'd love as many people to come and pray for Epsom as possible. But... You know, it's during some of those walks I, feel, I felt God has put things on my heart. And one of the things um, I feel stirred about is the fact that um, there is a road that runs from the M25 all the way through uh, Epsom and all the way through Stonely. And it's the A24. And it cuts Epsom and Yule right in half. And, and I just felt, I just saw a picture of lots of lights going up and down this A24. It was like it was a... If you ever, I don't know, see, I, the, I, the best way to describe it is if you see one light going along a road, you know, or in your aeroplane, you see these lights, headlights going along roads. It was like over a period of time that this A24 was full of lights going up and down. And those lights were people that had given their lives to Jesus. And they were going up and down, up and down, visiting 
just being part of the community that we feel God wants us to establish as a base in Epsom. But we really feel God would use the church to not just impact Epsom, but impact Ashdead and Leatherhead and Yule and Stonely, that this A24 is going to be a significant, going to play a significant part in God, what God wants to establish. And I also had a picture of, um, of a, a big um, sort of cargo. You know, you can imagine these army ships full of tanks and, you know, the big, the big aeroplanes. I don't know what they're called. Um, but I saw one of these big planes landing. In fact, I saw parachutes, first of all, jumping out and landing in Epsom. But I saw it landing and I saw people getting out and I saw God bringing people into the area to be part of what he wants to do. And I just really sense that, that God is wanting to do something through this and he's calling us to start something new. And, um, and I feel that's really exciting. Well, isn't that reassuring to know that they've got a really clear vision and that they are taking the time to pray about it, and that God's really spoken to them, which is fantastic. Um, I was really struck last week with the video um, feedback from Malaga uh, and what Nathan said, uh, the, the guy who leads the Paris church, that one of the biggest challenges that he's faced in leading the church is his own weaknesses. And obviously, when you step out and do a new work, God really enlarges you, really stretches you, but also exposes some of your weaknesses as well. And as you've been preparing for this, what do you feel God has been doing in your hearts personally to get you ready for this next stage? Yeah, um, so I would say a good sort of several years ago now, um, it became very apparent that our marriage was in a bit of a mess say that and um, it really was a catalyst I guess to um, begin a season of dealing with stuff in our own hearts which you know I you know is always still a bit of a journey um, and is, is always still there but um, nevertheless God has definitely I mean he has been working stripping things away um, it has because of the how painful it was um, can't help but begin to work on things um, because you have to root out that rubbish in your own hearts in order to be able to kind of start to begin to put things back together again um, so just as an example because um, there were a lot of things in my heart that were hidden and needed looking at, um, was, for me, I've always found that sense of insignificance, not being worth enough, um, a bit of an issue. Um, and therefore, I've always sought other people's approval. And... Um, one of the uh, walls, I guess, I put up around myself was perfectionism, um, which you guys may or may not be familiar with, but the way I understand perfectionism is um, that I have an arbitrary set of rules and standards which I have to always be meeting. Um, it's 
a really very, very powerful cage that you can live in because whatever you do is never enough and you always have to keep on achieving higher and higher in order to um, get that sense of approval, in order to prove your worth. Um, and it's all about performance. And I guess I've been realizing um, how weak it is, actually, um, and how much I need God in that. So God has very clearly spoke to me that God is building the church plant. There's actually not much to do with me. And um, another thing around that, and thinking back to the bit about healing and restoration, that he is the one who saves, not me. Um, that he is in control. And that in turn, I suppose, once I've realized that and surrendered that to him, has allowed me to um, feel a good degree lighter, less burdened by that, but there's also a massive amount of humility that goes along with that. And then a wonderful release of joy that it's his work and I just get to go on a wonderful adventure with him. That's not to say that the perfectionism doesn't shout at me all the time, but I'm learning to listen to it less and to listen to him more. So, so yes, uh, what Nathan said was very challenging, wasn't it? And I think... Um, I think that, uh, yes, as Abby alluded to, we, um, our marriage, when, when I realized a few years ago that we had things that we needed to look at, um, the, the challenge is to look at yourself in those times. And I think that I had to sort of realize it takes two people um, to work at these things. And, um, you know, I think that um, I spent some time looking at what I needed to change. Uh, in order to um, make our marriage a success. And I think one of the things that I realized is that all my life, I'd felt safe in the hiddenness of who I am. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was almost like um, there was a false safety that I had in who I was, that there was a lot of uh, lies and things that I believed in, in many areas of my heart um, that I was living by, that I um, couldn't even see for myself, that I, th I felt that, um, you know, I'd been brought to a humble place of saying, actually, I need to start looking at these things. And so I spent time doing that, and it forced me to address some very deep uh, questions in who I was. So um, as much as I probably appeared to be all sorted, I was finding my identity in the wrong places. Um, so there was a process for me of rooting out the lies and standing on the truths. And, um, you know, I made an active decision to do that. As painful and as challenging as it is, um, I thought, yeah, I, I really feel I want to do this. I want to make sure that I'm loving Abby the best I can. And I want to get these things out of the way so that I can do that um, well. And those of you that know the Living Free course that we've been doing, you know, it's a lot of that sort of stuff. It's a lot of that, looking at what's true. And, you know, the truth is a powerful thing. It really sets you free. You know, I'm sure it says that somewhere in the Bible. You know, the truth sets you free. And um, 
God has literally taken me through every aspect of the Living Free course. I mean, I'm not kidding. It's absolutely been phenomenal. But the way God works, he does it little by little, and he does it gently, and he doesn't force it. And it takes courage. It takes courage to take those steps of, of saying, Lord, I'm sorry for believing these lies to be true. I repent, and I receive your forgiveness, and I want to stand on the truth, and I want to walk free from them. And so God has been really taking me through that um, piece by piece and then putting me back together. I mean, one example, as I was just preparing for this, I was looking at my, um, my journal and there was one um, entry in July 2016 and I'd had a dream and what, what does it say? Is that old men dream dreams? Is that what it says um, in the Bible? Um, so I'd had a dream and, and it was actually quite a, an upsetting dream. I woke up actually really quite upset with this dream. It was a dream where I was standing um, and I'd opened, there was two people in front of me, they were just figures, and I'd opened up to them. And as I'd opened up to them, um, they literally turned their backs on me. And I just stood there. And, you know, and the feeling that I had in this dream was being lonely, rejected, and empty. And so I woke up with that feeling. And I can remember just um, then processing this with God afterwards. And, and as I did, and, and this is what Jesus does, because Jesus has the power to heal. Jesus has the power to come into any situation that we allow him to come into. And he does that. He heals us. I mean, that's the wonderful power of Jesus. And so, so I spent some time with Jesus saying, Jesus, you know, this, this is awful, this dream. You know, and... And would you come into it? And so I prayed a prayer of repentance and I received forgiveness for any belief I had in rejection or um, that I was alone. And just as I was allowing Jesus to come, it was almost like the dark void, start, dawn started breaking in this image. And it was almost, you know how dawn, you sort of see sort of, sort of light in the air. It just started doing that. And it got brighter and brighter. And as it got brighter, I saw this figure bright figure coming towards me and it was just an image as I was just praying and I tried to close my eyes but I the brightness just kept getting brighter and these two figures that were with me just looked at this bright figure coming towards me and you know there was just a sense the warmth it felt like the warmth of the sun when it sort of comes above the horizon the warmth of Jesus was just coming on me and in my heart and I just felt as as I sort of um was having my quiet time with God, that, that Jesus spoke these three things into my heart. And I'm just going to find my journal entry and just read them to you. First was, was this, where I felt rejected, I felt Jesus say, you are now accepted in my presence. Where I felt alone, I felt Jesus speak into my heart that you are now joined and part of something bigger. You're not alone anymore. And then where I felt empty, there was a feeling of wholeness and completeness. And you know, Jesus has that for all of us. Wholeness and completeness in him, in Jesus. And just, that's just an example of just some of the journey that I've been on in terms of just God shaping me and preparing me for more of what, um, aligning me with his truth. Just so appreciate your honesty and 
vulnerability and just openness. And, you know, as many will know, Claire and I have also gone on that journey of knowing God's redeeming power in the brokenness. And I, I so believe, you know, our God is a redeeming God, isn't he? And he takes those broken places and he brings, he makes those places the very place of our ministry where we can then reach out to others through those very broken places. They become actually places of strength. And I, I, I don't know if you'd agree that because of that journey you guys have been on, you know, that, would you say that's where your heart for the hurting and the broken and, uh, and just wanting to see that healing come, would you say that's, that's where it's rooted in? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's part of the picture. Um, I think it gives you a better empathy for actually what it really feels like to be in pain um, and to have to be brave enough to look at that and to work through it um, because, you know, we could all choose to just ignore it and distract ourselves with doing other things. Um, I, I also think that it's just part of who I am. I think God's built me like that. It's part of his heart. That's how he's built me to express part of his heart. Um, and so I want to be myself. And I guess I want the church plant to be full of, of individuals who each have their own story and their own way of expressing what God's put in their heart that's from him. Um, and, and I want all those individuals to feel like they belong and they're part of something together. Um, so it's not just about compassion and empathy, but it's, it's about this person's expression of God's heart and that person's expression of God's heart. And I think that is really exciting. So That sounds amazing. I don't know if you want to add to that. but Well, just yeah, um, what Abby says, I think we're, it's, it's a recognition that we're all broken people, I think. And, and that's okay. And actually, we're all on this journey of healing, of restoration, of being that whole person that Jesus wants us to be. But, you know, being a place which is safe and for people to feel accepted and able to share that. We have a good God, don't we? He's amazing. Um, so we've got to this point. You've been on this journey. God's been shaping you, molding you. What's next? fun lots of fun that sounds good that sounds good um yeah so in the autumn um basically two two key things i guess to say um the first is we're going to be having um socials which are really about gathering momentum and a greater sense of identity i think for the church plant uh the second is to do with life group um and I think it's important just to say that everybody in the life group is, they're really on their own, their own journey, but we're together. Um, where, you know, this, as we've said, is, is something that God's put in us, but that doesn't mean that that's the same for everybody that's been part of the Epsom life group. And I think everybody in the life group is praying and, and listening to God for what he has for them as individuals and the way they move forward and their response to our invitation um, to be part of the church plant. Um, James and Sarah, um, as you guys know, have been leading 
that group, um, I mean, really excellently, and uh, we're incredibly grateful to them. Um, but they have very graciously allowed us to take on the, um, the church, well, the life group again. And I guess the focus of the life group um, is, is therefore changing um, to one that is about church planting. So, in a way, this is the start of the church plant. So, every Wednesday night, we will be meeting at our house um, from the 16th of October um, onwards. And this is, I guess, an invitation to, to all of you, um, if you are um, at all considering being part of the church plant, then this is, this is the place to be, to come on a Wednesday night to our home. Um, in terms of a date for a launch or, you know, when will Sunday meetings be and all that, we, we don't feel God's given us that part of the picture yet. And we very much want to follow his leading. So I don't have an answer to that, that bit yet. Um, but for now, we're on the faith adventure and it feels like a step to be up here doing this and to be meeting on a Wednesday um, at, at our home, uh, where we will be focused on being together, we will be focused on prayer, worship, um, listening to God, and um, moving forward. I don't know if you wanted to add to that. So it sounds like momentum is building throughout this autumn term. There's a real sense of gathering happening, and um, just who knows what's going to happen. 2020, we'll see how how the momentum builds. And, and see it take shape then. That's wonderful. Um, did you want to add anything? No? Okay. We're going to spend some time praying for these guys. Um, what would you say then? So someone says, this sounds interesting. I, I'm, I don't know yet if this is something that God wants me to join. What would you say to them? Would you say, or what happens what if someone says, I know it's not for me, but how can we support you? Um, Perhaps there's some advice um, there. There are, there are many ways, I think. Um, again, I'll just start and then you can jump in. I think we really appreciate your prayer, I think, is, is probably the biggest thing we would say. Um, if you wanted to commit to pray for us, we would love to hear from you. And we'll sort of let you know some of the really things that are going on uh, over the coming term. Um, because I think that prayer is really, really important. Um, and we want this to succeed. And I think we, we really want to sow lots of prayer whenever we get the opportunity. And I think as well as any prophetic words that you feel God is giving you for us, because we, again, are a prophetic movement. We, we believe in the prophetic. We believe in God leading. New Frontiers makes a lot of decisions based on the prophetic because we really believe that we hear from God and we act on it. So really seek God for us because we need... To, you know, we need God and we need his support. And, and also just on the back of that, um, you know, we'll be praying on a Wednesday night. So even if you don't want to come with us, you know, come one Wednesday, you know, uh, and pray with us, pray for us, you know, you know, lay hands on us on a Wednesday night. Come and join us for one week where we can just receive from you and be encouraged. So that's a couple of ways um, that I feel I'd love to um, some support. Yeah, I think it's about, you know, just come be part of our journey, even if it's just for, for one evening 
or even for a season, you know, come and be part of us, help us get something established, um, or indeed for however long God has for you to um, be with us. Um, also, the events that we're, the, the uh, socials that we're hoping to do, um, it would be wonderful to see um, you guys just come and be part of that with us. Um, so, Halloween, not a traditional um, Christian uh, gathering event, but um, our son Noah um, is passionate about God's light, and he loves to do it at Halloween. Um, and so we will be, our house will be wide open um, on the 31st of October, um, and uh, people are really welcome to come and um, hang out with us that day. Um, do you want to say anything more about that? About um, just to inspire, I'd love people to be involved, because we give out hope bags to people that do trick-or-treating, and it's a great opportunity to give light, and the, where we live on the Wells estate Last year, we had 100 children knock on our door. And it's a wonderful witness, really. We give hopes, hope bags, and we put a gospel thing in. It gives, teaches people about Jesus. There's a booklet thing. So, and sweets as well. So it's just a great outreach opportunity um, on that evening. Cool. Um, on the 9th of November, on that Saturday afternoon, we will be doing a bit of a fun kind of get-into-team scavenger hunt around Epsom, uh, go and find as many items as, well, we'll put a list together, and then come back and hang out at our house, should be uh, some fun. And then on the 31st of December, we're going to do a mulled wine and mince pie type um, event and we've done quite a good few of these in the past we've had towards 60 people in our um, not so large home um, but it's been a wonderful event um, and it's a time to invite people friends neighbors to come along um, and be there with us as um, as we celebrate Christmas so yeah Rob mentioned Abby a phrase you used for people who uh felt inspired but no they felt called to Sutton and it was was it there's there's going in the staying um yeah so we were talking about this um at home one evening um and Abby said it and it really grabbed my attention because I think it's really important that um as Steve mentioned earlier you know that actually um planting churches does stir up within a church, the sending church, you know, a passion for evangelism or a sense of the call of God on each of us to, um, you know, remember we're called to take the gospel to people around us. And Abby used this phrase, and I thought it was really helpful, that we're going in the staying. So many of us are staying in Sutton, and that's okay. And a sense of um, actually how can we go where we are and I think that church planting can be a great catalyst for us to really consider um, what it means to be people uh, who, who can take the gospel to those around us. So we just to encourage you, if, if, you know, uh, if Epsom is not for you, that's, that's good and that's wonderful to go where you are and um, see the gospel go out here in Sutton and be encouraged to do that. And we'll be encouraged to hear the things that you're doing as we're stepping out here in Epsom. That's really, really helpful. I love that phrase. And hopefully some of these ideas, like Halloween, have inspired some of you guys as well to think, actually, we could do that. 
We could do that. Finally, I'm aware of time. How can we pray for you now? We're going to pray for you now, but you know, any specifics that we can focus on? Um, salvation will be the first thing, really, that will um, see people saved, but also that um, we'll begin to make those connections in Epsom, in the community, that God would lead people, draw people to the church plant, that that would um, happen, and that we will establish a core team of people that are really committed and that want to see this established, and that we will um, uh, set that that will happen. So those are some of the main ones, I would say. That sounds great. Let's do it. I'm, I'm so excited. This is an exciting season for us as a church. It's obviously an exciting season for you guys as a family, and who knows how many others as well. Why don't we stand to our feet? And can I just invite anyone who wants to, why don't you just come out? Let's lay hands on Rob and Abby. Can I just uh, encourage you, if you've got a prophetic word or a scripture, please do bring it and write it down so they can take it with them. Let's just commit this to God, which Rob said we want to just totally saturate this, this whole initiative that is God initiated. We want to surround it in prayer. We want prayer to be its foundation. Why don't we just raise our voices right now? If you're in your seats, why don't you just kind of, yeah, some of you just raise your hands towards them. Just that sense of we're in this together as a church. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Do keep praying for these guys. Can we give them a round of applause?